Hi, my name is Kezia. I'm a stroke survivor and a member of BIND. And hi, I'm Carrie, a stroke survivor and a member of BIND as well. And today we're welcoming Greg Grossman, who has his PhD, a CBLC, and an LBC. And you know, we like to say all those letters like we know what they are. I know what the first one is. but um, And he's also the president of Beyond Perseverance. He describes himself as an experienced professional with a zeal to succeed in life. He holds dual certifications as a biblical life coach and a life breakthrough coach. He is also a published author of Times of Perseverance, Hope and Healing on the Battlefields of Life. So welcome, Greg. Hey, good morning. Welcome. Welcome to Bindways, the official podcast of the Brain Injury Network of Dallas. I'm Brian White, Bind's Executive Director. On each episode, we'll be providing insight into the brain injury community. We'll be talking to members and professionals regarding their stories and the important role of Bind's Clubhouse. We work as a team to inspire hope, community, and a sense of purpose to survivors, caregivers, and the public. Thank you for tuning in to Bind Waves. Let's get on with the show. So since I mentioned your book, why don't you start with that? Tell us a little bit about your book. Sure. Uh, my book is a compelling narrative chronicling my survival from personal and family traumatic brain injury. My brother was severely brain injured. I've been brain injured. Uh, and um, my book talks about that whole process of what I experienced. Yeah, I think it's great that you mentioned that your brother and you are also a brain injury survivor. Can you tell us a little bit about that, um, if you feel comfortable for doing that? Sure, sure. Yeah. Let me give you just a brief overview. My, my brother was um, in a head-on collision uh, in, um, in in the late 80s, and um, he, was, uh, he was traveling in a car, and there was incoming weather, and um, it's a miracle he survived because... Uh, and a few, uh, not far behind him, there was a, there was a doctor and his nurse, um, and they did a roadside tracheotomy and saved it, saved his oh, life. Oh wow! It was a, yeah, it was, it was a miracle. Um, he was a good Samaritan, of course. And so uh, my brother was severely brain injured. Was in the hospital for many months, and then went to a brain injury uh, rehab hospital for a long time, and then transitioned to a halfway house and lived on his own. Um, during that time, uh, fast forward so many years uh, to uh, 1992, I, I was hit by a car uh, while jogging. And I was jogging not in the right place. I should have been yeah. jogging uh, with traffic to see me, and they were behind me. And so uh, I made a mistake and did that and, and was hit and, and shattered. My, my left leg was shattered in two places. The bone in the ankle was shattered in two places. And I, 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 uh, my head was... Uh, slammed up against the car, the windshield, and I sustained a lot of, uh, it, was, it was open, uh, you know, wound there, but I had a, I had a, mild tra I had a uh, traumatic brain injury from that um, as a result of that, and uh, spent some time in the hospital and ICU, and then went to a rehab hospital for about a month, and um, survived that, but then a number of years later, in 2011, I had a, another car accident, I had a car accident, and um, at this time, because of the head injuries that I had in my life, I had I had had, I had, had developed post concussion syndrome, okay. and so I developed vertigo and depression and and intense sensitivity to sound. So a neurologist and um, it read through some debilitating symptoms and recovered from that. But along the way, towards the tail end of it, I, I said to my wife, "I'm going to write about this. I don't know when or how, but I'm going to go do it." 
And sure enough, I did just that. And through the process of time, I was able to, um, you know, to, to write this book to provide hope, encouragement, inspiration to the brain injured and their families and also to all people who are wounded in society. Well, there you go. You fit right in with this. Mm-hmm. So that brings up another question, I guess, that I hadn't really thought about. So were you already on your road to life coaching before your brain injury, or did that all happen oh. after the brain injury? Yes, thank you. That happened after the brain okay. injury. Yeah, many years afterwards. Yeah. Okay. Well, so the the, the question I had when I, was, when I realized that you and your brother both had had a brain injury and you were doing life coaching, I didn't even think to put two and two together that maybe the brain injury is what led you down that path, but... Do you think that because of your experience, both personally and with your brother, that that allows you to be more empathetic as a coacher, as a coaching person? Absolutely. Yes, absolutely. I would say um, my ability to be, I'm also a, a hospice chaplain and I've been a workplace chaplain, but as a life coach with my dual certifications, all the experiences that I've been through, and you don't see it when you're going through it, but when you go through a, a severe traumatic brain injury with a family member and you've gone through your own brain injury uh, and, and, you know, it really makes you uh, sensitive to pe- to hurting people, sure. you know, to the wounded people. Um, and so it's given me an appreciation for, a, a deep appreciation for the human and spiritual condition. And I've been able now to get a little additional training and some experience. And so it, it helps me in my work. Yeah. And I think that like, um, just so you know that our part of our podcast is also to like encourage our the members and other brain injury survivors to have questions for you. Right. So one of them, the questions was definitely like as a life coach mm-hmm. and as a counselor, can you explain um, the differences that you have had like between a life coach and a counselor? Yeah, yeah, sure. And I, as, I'm a spiritual counselor. That would be connected to being a hospice chaplain and a life coach. Yes, let me explain the difference. Let me tell you what a hospice chap, what a, excuse me, what a life coach is and what it isn't. Yes. Hi, that's, that's, yes. that's the best way to start. That's so you both understand and our audience <laughs> understands. A, a life coach is not a psychotherapist. A life coach is not an LPC or a psychologist. Um, those, are, uh, those are people who are trained to work with past trauma past emotional trauma and a lot of times a psychopathology there people are depressed and maybe some some other issues going on and so they're trained to work with people who have been uh you know uh, uh deeply wounded in that area and 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 are working through uh trials with that associated with that is affecting their life what a life coach is uh that's what a life coach is and what a life coach is it it, it takes people from where they're at and helps them get to where they're at to where they want to be that's on the life breakthrough side. That's a, um, a side that does not emphasize God or his view of the human condition. It has a change model, and it's geared towards the secular population. But it helps people get to where they're at, to where they want to be. The other side is a biblical framework. It's a Christ-centered framework. It helps pe- takes people where they are and to where God wants, wants them to be, and it utilizes uh, the biblical framework, the scripture, uh, as, as doing just that. Okay, thank you. I think it's important for us to fully understand that. Um, like I said, these are questions that we um, receive because we make sure to let our members know, like a brain injury network, that we have you as a guest, right? So these are just like interesting. Like, what well, what can we learn more about him? So thank you so much for allowing, well, sharing the differences. It's right. really important for us. Because yeah, I think a lot of us, you know, as being in the brain injury world, we understand counseling because we get counseling in our recovery process you know in our inpatient in our if we get to go to day neuro if we get to go to a pate or a cns or somewhere like that you get all that counseling and so we know you know we understand lpc and all that but you know life coaching is a little bit different but i get what you're saying so it's like 
okay, I'm through with my therapy, my inpatient, my outpatient. I guess you have it, you know. And I'm not really in that place where I think I need personal counseling to deal with my emotions anymore. I just, I'm like, I know that I can still be a 100% person, but I have this disability. Now I'm going to come get some life coaching so you can help me realize my goals and how I am still a hundred, still a hundred percent person, even with my disability that I can still achieve those goals and how to achieve those goals. Am I getting yes. that right? Just to kind yes, of it's taking, in my it's brain the, injured world, trying you, to break it down. No, you, that was a great, great uh, description. It's take, it's meeting people where they're at. And by the way, I do that as a hospice chaplain in a workplace, workplace chaplain, marketplace chaplains. I've been with them a number of years. You know, you're meeting with employees at the workplace or you're meeting them all where they're at. It's the same thing as a hospice chaplain. It's a different circumstance. I'm working with the terminally ill, but I'm meeting them all where they're at. And as a life coach, whether it's on the life breakthrough side or the biblical life, uh, biblical life coaching side, meeting all people where they're at. And just so you know, uh, coaching is 80% listening. 20% talking, maybe a little bit more listening, but it's it's majority listening and it's asking open-ended questions. Mm -hmm. And it's not telling people what to do. So by virtue of there, I am helping the, the client or the person I'm coaching, the coachee, uh, you know, to, by listening and reflecting back to them what they're saying and then getting them to, to, you know, challenging their thinking and getting them to think for themselves, to keep their agency of who they are, to be able to think through things for themselves. That makes perfect sense. Thank you. Yeah. And I actually, right now you mentioned a little bit about it, but why do you think that uh, what you do, or actually why do you think members are brain injury survivors or the people that you work with are engaged with you? Like, why do you think that happens? Uh, I think, um, I think the first thing is when you're working with anybody, really you're wanting to develop trust. They need to feel as though they could trust you and talk to you. And so um, I remember I, I uh, was, went to a, a meeting somewhere and I spoke to one of the, one of the place, people who had worked at this place when there was a networking group. And they, were, they told me they really appreciated my heart and my spirit. And sure enough, that person became a client. So they saw something from me. And so let me go back and say that that's so important that I have to be able, people have to understand that, uh, uh, that I care. The best thing I can give people is to listen and genuinely care about their life. And I wrote that in my book, and I live that out every day. And it's doing that, listening and genuinely caring. And then there needs to be some chemistry, too. Sure. Um, people have to feel as though they, you know, they, they could, they could and, and that takes time, it takes for both people, even for the coach, because we're all human. It takes time to get to know people. But it starts with that, and then it just moves forward as we develop that, you know, rapport, to get to know each, know each other. Right. Okay, yeah. Coach, yeah. So I know that was kind of one of the questions we have, but I'm going to try to rephrase it a little bit differently. We're talking a lot to you about brain injury because that's us. That's our audience. That's mm -hmm. who we are. But I'm going to guess that not all your patients are disabled. Would yeah, you say it's yeah. like, a, do you have very, do you work with very many disabled or do you actually tend to work with more able-bodied? Um, yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm not presently working with any brain injury, but I'm, I'm able to do that. Um, I mean, I'm certainly uh, um, working, you know, with other people who, you know, uh, like as a hospice chaplain mm -hmm. and as a workplace chaplain. Uh, but no, I'm I I, I am I I'm not working with any. But I would would be able to okay. because of my understanding and background, being exper experienced survivor myself, I'd be able to, uh, you know, uh, understand a lot better and be more of an effective coach and listener. I think. 
Yeah, I definitely think that. Um, I'm going to take a quick pause um, just to remind that our listeners make sure to continue connecting on Thursdays uh, and continue just checking into your favorite um, platform and just make sure to follow us, click all those like buttons and just keep connecting with us. Okay, so I had like a question too. So with the people that you work with, like what are the, some challenges that you have experienced with your clients, the people that you're connecting with? I would say, well, you know, there's either internal or external barriers and, you know, barriers come in different different shapes and sizes. But a lot of people have challenge. I say challenges, that's a better word, uh, with time management. Yeah. You know, with setting boundaries within themselves and within people, within their relationships. The interpersonal component is pivotal. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's the lifeblood of, of the organization, the lifeblood of the world. So they're, they're having challenges with that, um, and they're just stuck. You know, they're, they're in a, what we call a cycle, you know, where they're doing the same thing over and over and over again. If you do the same, you know, they're doing the same thing over. But learned behavior could be unlearned. It, you can break that cycle, but you need, you need someone to listen and to guide you. And I, it's, hence my guided change for the future is I'm taking people where they're at, and I'm helping them work through the time management. Uh, one person I work with, I helped them get a, a daily planner, and it, it, it helped them greatly. Got some good feedback on that. So there, there's a, a number of little things. But again, if it starts, you know, it, invariably, um, you know, things may come in there, you know, about their relationships. And, and I still can talk with them about that. But again, I'm, I also have to keep my radars up to listen, you know, uh, could this person best be served with a counselor? Depending on what the, oh. it's, I, and again, I don't, I don't make any rash judgments. I just really like to listen. But by by and large, um, coaching meets all people where they're at, and um, certainly if someone is disabled or neurologically impaired, that that's okay uh, as long as they're able to work with me and they feel comfortable working with me. And if they're working with a counselor, and that's sometimes a question I may ask on the questionnaire, are you working with someone now or is it something you, you know, and I need to understand so I could best be of some service. But it's very important to be able to talk to people and to understand where they're at. And then I always ask people, how can I be of help? What brings you to coaching? What, what would you like to work on? Right. And then I help them narrow that down. Some people come with a laundry list, but usually it <laughs> narrows down to several things. Sure. Um, you know, and you know, look, it, you know, if you do some, if you have trouble doing something, then you do it. You feel better, so the, yes. the emotions are involved. Um, you know, but uh, that's what I normally like to do. Is to, those are the people that I kind of see. It's kind of a, a plethora of a lot of different things. Um, but the, when people have challenges with relationships, it usually goes down to boundary issues. Mm-hmm. They have trouble setting boundaries mm-hmm. within them themselves or with someone else, uh, and they they don't know how to do that. And so I'm able to help them, to guide them in that respect, to make some changes. Right, and I think that boundaries, setting boundaries, and like even what you just said at first is just establishing like um, your time is so difficult. <laughs> it's something I had to learn even before the stroke and even after, like how much time do you have available and what's actually like possible to do, right? And then setting boundaries as to like, when can I say that I have this much time available and being able and making it easier to say no is so difficult. And I think that's something that you can relate to regardless if you have a brain injury or not, right? Um, so thank you for sharing that. Oh, you're welcome, and, and and thank you for sharing what you just shared uh, about a lot of people have trouble saying no. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so what, what I what I when I help people understand and help them to learn is, you know, it's okay if you can't do it. And once you give yourself permission, then you can tell the other person, you know, uh, Kesia, I really appreciate your asking me to take on some extra work. I would love to help you do that. Uh, I'm, I'm a little overextended right now, and I'm not able to do that, but uh, but I'm hoping in the future to do it. So, so again, you have to be able to um, first give yourself permission, and then you can respond back so the other person know, is, is heard, so they know. Does that make sense? Yeah, it definitely yeah, does. And so, and so yeah. because we realize, okay, so if we, we, we're not, we, we stop saying no, well, how do we, you know, and there's that interpersonal component. So it's learning how to be proactive, not be reactive. Right, and we're working on that. Yeah. Now, one of the questions, as we said, you know, we ask our members for questions that they had that, I'm going to, again, reword it a little bit differently, but I think you as a brain injury survivor could probably help us since you have the experience that we have and your coach lifing experience. But what are maybe some, are some ways, I'm going to try to do it, that brain injured survivors look at as like a negative that you could help spin in a positive. So like in the beginning, you know, I was very negative because my left side didn't work. I was very, you know, down and out. I have since on my own been able to turn that into a positive and go "Eh, so my arm doesn't work like it's supposed to I'm still working on it I'm trying to get better I'm doing the best I can with it but I'm not going to let that affect the other 90% of my life I mean do you ever have come across things like that with people that they they see this thing as a very negative thing and it's really not that negative and how do we twist that to positive that's a great question and yes I do deal with that um, and I've had dealt with that as a brain injury survivor uh, and do, deal with that with my coaching clients. We're talking about reframing. Let's talk about that. Reframing is changing the way you see things and the way you believe things. So we all have values. Okay, first, it goes back to our value system. But <clears throat> reframing would be goes down to basically catching your thoughts first. You got to do thought stopping. There's a little, you know, uh, mental work here. You have to say, uh, you know, stop yourself. And if you need a picture, a stop sign, you do that. And then once you do that, you're not quite done yet. You know, when you're in your car and you're at the stop sign, you stop and that's, you still have to stop. And then you're looking for cars, but then you have to take your foot off the accelerator and go move the car. So reframing is now, now that you've stopped that thought of being negative, uh, it's looking at your situation differently and it's saying, you know, I've got this injury and um, it, it, it's, it's caused some challenges and I've really worked really hard, but, uh, but I'm going to move beyond this and uh, I, there's some things I can't do and I'm aware of the limitations, but it does not define who I am. I can, I can do so much more uh, uh, with, with who I am and what I have to offer people. So now you see how you're turning that around and you're saying that to yourself. And so if you don't catch yourself and the negativity begins as a little bit of a, like, you know, you take a little snow and then you take a little bit more snow and then you roll that snowball and it becomes a, becomes a big snowball. And so you have to sort of catch that in the beginning. So I get my clients to reframe, to look at things differently. And if you have to write it down first, that's good to get a d- double column piece of paper, write down, you know, negative thoughts, positive thoughts. Someone in neg- sometimes they're automatic thoughts mm-hmm. that, that come without. And so you write down that thought. And then on the other side, you know, um, you know, if you have a negative thought, uh, I'm never going to be able to do anything. I can't do anything with my arm anymore. Then you write that on the left side. On the right side, the positive, you write... You know, I've had some I've had some 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 challenges with this and uh, and I've worked very hard to get better and it but it doesn't define me I'm going to be able to move beyond this so now you're telling yourself you're seeing things from a different point 
uh, but you're challenging, you're sort of challenging that, what they say, that internal critic. Uh, as David, Dr. David Burns said that. He said that in his New Mood Therapy book. He was a cognitive behavioral uh, um, uh, clinician many, many years ago. I read that book at, during my first brain injury, and it really helped me a lot to really challenge that internal critic. But once you challenge it, then you got to, you know, you know talk, um, uh, be positive to yourself right. and, 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 and endorse yourself. And that takes work, and that's a process, but it's the reframing. It's going yeah. back and getting people to challenge that negativity. And there's a lot of ways to do that. The double column technique is a good way. But And then it's getting them to reframe it, look at it, say it, say it differently to themselves. And when you say something to yourself, you hear yourself. Mm-hmm. And then you begin to, if you say it long enough, and you begin to believe it. And then you begin to sort of quell out that negativity where the positivity takes over. Does that make sense? Yeah, it definitely makes sense. I think that um, I think that's definitely something that many people can also relate to, right? Like you just went through a very negative experience. I mean, it was traumatic. Like what we like a lot of members um, and a lot of brain injury survivors had to have, right? It wasn't our choice to go through this experience, but then we flip it to make it seem like a positive outcome, right? Like for me, the way that I look at it is like I had to restart my life and it was terrible but now I do a podcast like I wouldn't have doing a podcast if that didn't happen to me so I'm going through this great experience right um and then like in regards to you like what gives you the hope and the motivation to continue and like how do you relate that with the people that you work with like how do you how do you do that sure um I um I, I think that What's helped me first, just to let the viewers know that um, um, I, I work with it. when my brother was severely brain injured. I seeked out some counseling at university, and it, it helped me immensely. Uh, and then um, when um, when we had the COVID outbreak, uh, that was a that was a very difficult time for a lot of people. People got isolated. Um, long story short, my my mother. My mother got COVID unexpectedly, and then uh, four months later, my father. Uh, four days later, my father-in-law passed away, mm-hmm. and it was really in the course of those uh, that time. I, I had my book, my manuscript was due, and I got an extension from my publisher. They were so loving and supportive. But I wrote a postscript on my on surviving the grief with my mother, and so I ended up working with a grief counselor. And my 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 counselors really taught me a lot. Still work with this person and. Um, they have helped me to be able to look beyond my situation. They have helped me to understand that the real healing comes from within and that um, it's going to take time and that God is control. He, he has a plan and uh, it's perfect, uh, but I have to be patient. And the patient part is the hardest thing. Oh, absolutely. And don't ever ask for patience. <laughs> I know that one. That we, we, don't want to be, we don't want to be patient. It's just within our nature. The human part, as my counsel said, the human part gets in the way. But, but really, in a sense, you know, it's hard to trust an unseen or an unheard thing, but we have to do it by faith. Yeah. We have to do it by faith. And so what, that's what's helped me is I've been able to look beyond my situation uh, my situation from my accident was I had a, my, my leg was shattered, but it healed. I had hardware in it. I had it removed because I had a piece of the hardware coming out. So a year later, they took it out. Went to see an orthopedic doctor. He says, I hope you could run. So I got a brace. I was running on and off throughout the years. I had a, uh, got a number of braces to do that until about a year or so ago, I, I got really bad pain and I knew I needed to go to see the doctor. So I, I got a couple of consults and they basically told me never run again. 
And I couldn't accept that, you know. I really couldn't accept I couldn't run. I figured everything I had survived and gone through, as we all endure injuries. So I went to see a top prominent sports medicine ankle orthopedic surgeon here in, in Dallas. And he said, you know, if you continue to run, you're going to have pain and you're going to also that further damage the joint surface. So I didn't want to end up having my ankle seized and have it, you know, sure. problems. So I had to make a change. And what I did was I said, you know, I can cycle, you know, and I did. And so now I'm considering training for master cycling races. That's so cool. I took a, a, a situation that was, I can't. That's see, there's big, your negative and you turned it into a positive. See, exactly, <laughs> exactly. And so, but we don't see it as my counselor has taught me, and this is very important here for us all. Brain injury survivors are we're trying to go through a, through 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 the dark times of uh, the valley with a brain injury. Um, we don't see it when we're going through it. Exactly. God does. God sees the beginning and the end. But it's only when you get through it where you could look back. Kenzie, as you have now, you're saying, "Hey, you're looking back on what you've gone through." Now you're seeing, "Why well, you're you doing a podcast? You're a host. You're yeah." But we have to sort of just know that we will. We will progress and get better, but we don't know when that will be or how it will be because we want to know. And there are some things we just have to accept that we can't know. And so we step back in faith. We let God work. We work with the people around us. And uh, we take not just one day at a time. Sometimes we have to take an hour at a time. Sure. Sometimes right. a minute or a moment at a time. Sure. But we do it by God's grace. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, Greg, um, if our listener and our listeners want to reach out to you, where can they get more information on your coaching services? We will make sure we include this in the description, but yeah. Right. Yes. Just let, them know. Let, me, let me give you my website. I'm going to spell it. It's kind of a long word. It's beyondperseverance.com. That's my website, B-E-Y-O-N-D. P is in Peter, E-R-S-E-V is in Victor, E-R-A-N-C-E.com. If you go to my website, you can read about my different coaching services. And then if you want to send me an email, it's on the website. There's a place to send me an email, but I'll give you my email now. It's Greg, and that's two Gs. Make sure you've spelled G-R-E-G-G <laughs> at beyondperseverance.com. Greg at beyondperseverance.com. That's my contact information. All right. Well, thank you so much for giving your time and coming here to Plano and hanging out with us and having a conversation. I definitely want to thank you for joining us. And I also want to obviously thank our guests. I mean, our uh, listeners to spending the last couple minutes um, to listen to us out. So thank you. You're welcome. Yes. Thank you very much, Greg. And again, for our listeners, if you want to contact us, I'm not quite as good as my, I don't know if I'm ready to try spelling that out like that. But if you'd like to contact us, you can email us at bindwaves, B-I-N-D-W-A-V-E-S, at thebind, T-H-E-B-I-N-D, dot org. That's hard to do. Follow us on Instagram, at bindwaves. And you can visit our website, thebind.org slash bindwaves. And if you, like we mentioned a couple times, if you're interested in becoming a member or volunteering with us, you can also find those applications on the main website, thebind.org. And of course, uh, to all of our listeners, don't forget to like, share, and subscribe to on whatever your favorite platform is. And obviously, we're on YouTube, so just make sure to like us and continue following us. And again, remember, you can find us every Thursday on all your favorite platforms. So until next time. Until next time. We hope you've enjoyed listening to Bind Ways and continue to support Bind and our nonprofit mission. We support brain injury survivors as they reconnect into the life, the community, and their workplace.
And we couldn't do that without great listeners like you. We appreciate each and every one of you. Continue watching. Until next time. Until next time.